Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion on motoring news. This is episode 228 on Tuesday, the 8th of January, 2019. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we won't need to backpedal on a marketing strategy that has ignored reality. Instead, we'll be talking about Carlos Ghosn's extension of a stay in Japan. We'll also be contemplating breathing deeply in London and maybe even Manchester. And we look at how fast and furious an auction can be. And we're also super tongue-tied because this is the first time we've done this in ages. Yes, it's been a long time. It feels like it. Yeah. Anyway, shall we get on with the follow-up? Because we've got a lot. <laughs> first <sighs> of all, let's start the new year as we hope not to continue, and that's with Dieselgate. <laughs> it is the news that the federal state of Baden-Württemberg... Württemberg, I think. I don't think I can do any better, so yeah, that works. Is now seeking damages from Volkswagen because they had bought an awful lot of VW diesel vehicles that now are going to be banned in cities like Stuttgart, Frankfurt and the likes. So uh, this has meant that diesel, the value of diesel cars has plummeted. But the article, which is from Reuters, goes on to say that no one's made it clear how this federal state has lost any money so why they're seeking damages they're not sure and Volkswagen have sort of gone well we we haven't seen this thank you um, but we're confident this will get thrown out like other ones of a mm-hmm. similar ilk but it's interesting that it is a a government state is now yeah but they are trying to raise their own funds because if they can get money out of money out of uh volkswagen it goes straight into their pockets uh, and they can they can spend it it's like getting a, a sort of budget you know a, a chunk of extra bonus budget so of course they're going to be chasing after mm. after this kind of stuff and honestly the potential uh return on the small investment it takes to write to raise this in the first place is probably worth giving it a shot even if it does make you look a bit silly mm. Yeah, I presume they don't have anything to do with the board because there's some some government areas have invested, haven't they, for pensions and the likes. They have. I've now had a complete, but it's the it's that's the state. Is it their home state? Yeah, that Wolfsburg yeah. is in, and I have had a mental blank as to what their what what the name of that state is. But yes, they have a significant shareholding and seats on the board uh, of Wolfsburg. Mm. And and so that's why they're making a big deal about that. Now, should we move on, though, to the final bit of Dieselgate follow-up, though? Yes, super quick. German engineering firm IAV, uh, which is part owned by Volkswagen, uh, has has agreed to plead guilty uh, in the US and to pay $35 million fine for its role in assisting Volkswagen Group, uh, according to Automotive News Europe, assisting Volkswagen Group to market and sell diesel-powered vehicles in the US. So, so yes, there's quite a long, long article on this. Did you see why it was set at only thirty-five million, though? Only, no, I only didn't. he says here. Well, apparently, yeah. it's because they held it there because U.S. sentencing guidelines, and I'm quoting here, according to the company's inability to pay a higher fine amount without jeopardizing its continued viability. So they've gone thirty-five million because any more than that, and you'll go belly up, obviously. Hmm. Wow. 35 million is, yes, still quite a lot. Yes. Ouch. <laughs> so it goes to show that they have gone for anybody involved in this. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, t- I tell you so. I think that this one was a pretty sensible one. These were the people who were meant to be making sure that the tests were run properly and all these things. The trouble is that they won't have been the people who actually wrote the tests, uh, which is kind of where the problem is. I mean, th- this very much does infer that IAV were were aware that there was some form of defeat device. No, were they? No, they're the ones accused of doing the software. Ah, okay. Oh, yes, it is allegedly helped VW engineer develop software. That's not really tangential, then, is it? No. no. You've read that story better than I have, haven't you? <laughs> I confess. Oh, you see, I always start at the bottom and work up, and then I got distracted because stuff wasn't working. That's a terrible excuse. Let's gloss over Alan's omission and move on to the next, which I think will be the next major story of the year that we will continue with follow-up, and that's Carlos Ghosn. Before Christmas, quite a lot of things happened. So we're going to play a little bit of catch-up here. And the first bit is that uh, just before Christmas, everyone thought he was going to get out because the prosecutors had been denied an extension on his previous... I can't remember whether if incarceration implies because he's been charged or not. But anyway, for being kept in jail... So what? Uh, so everybody saw that and thought, oh, he's going to be out then because tomorrow's the, the deadline. But what happened is they charged him under a different set of alleged crimes, which mm-hmm. was to do with $16.6 million or pounds. I can't remember which one it was. I think it's dollars. Uh, dollars. And also connected with a businessman in Saudi Arabia. And the inference was that there was naughtiness going on there and he'd moved monies around from the company to cover his own debts and things like that. And this the Saudi businessman was supposed to have helped with all that sort of thing and transferring monies. That's what the that's what the the claims were. Mm-hmm. But so then he was he was he's gonna be kept in jail until the eleventh of January. So that's this week. Yes. Unless they can get an extension or if they can't get the extension, then it's the thing that we talked about before Christmas, which is under Japanese law, you can be charged in a connected element of the crime, and then you go through the you go through the whatever however many days process it is again. Mm-hmm. That's up to the, the maximum. The reason they say that they kept him in, by the way, was they thought he was a flight risk, um, yeah. and they thought that he he might have have done and a tamper runner. with. Uh, oh, and also tamper with evidence at Allah thoughts on. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. Oh, God, yes. I can't start off that sort of suit in the new year. Come on. <laughs> but in between that and the news that came out today, something else happened, didn't it? Uh, well, he actually he he actually appeared in court. No, but before then. Internally in Nissan. Oh, it's that story. Sorry, I thought you'd passed that story already. You were you were doing so well there. No. But no, two Nissan executives have taken a leave as the probe has extended out with uh, Japan. So that includes uh, Jose Munoz, the former head of Nissan North America. Uh, no, pardon me. Jose Munoz, the chief performance officer and the former head of Nissan North America and senior vice president, Arun Bajaj, who's in charge of human resources at Nissan. So, And he was also an SVP at the Renault Nissan. Renault Nissan and Mitsubishi Alliance. So they're also taking leaves 
I assume they're being somewhat or slightly investigated as part of this. Well, the the reason why is fantastic. I'm using a quote from Nissan itself from their statement. Uh, Munoz is there is taking time off to assist the company by concentrating on special tasks arising from recent events. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. They involve a shovel, some lawns, and also writing down everything he can remember. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, What we need you to to do is spend some time in your garden. Yes. Um, Contemplating. Yeah. (laughs) Just not doing anything yeah so yes it's uh pretty but both of these were supposed to be seen as loyal to gone as well absolutely so uh, if we follow the theory of coup in the company if is is one of the things being thrown around still you know however many weeks since it began then that all blends in well this, doesn't it this is very much in alignment with that we we take out the you know we we take out the uh we take out the president and we take out his key generals as well yep uh otherwise they will rise up again absolutely uh, anyway to i was going to say today stroke yesterday but it was today but didn't on the other side of the world so it happened overnight was uh, Carlos Ghosn actually made an appearance in court and said some things? Yes, he did. Uh, he used, or his legal team used, the rarely used action of the defendant appearing in court to find out what they've been accused of exactly and having mm-hmm. a chance to comment on these in public or to the court uh, and plead or put a case up against it. Um, yeah. before it gets to the full legal proceedings. So Carlos Cohen appeared in court. I'll let you lot all have a read of the Automotive News Europe article because they go into detail about his look and his appearance. Did, did you... Did you? Uh, I know that you've semi-prepped the show notes. Have you included the Reuters one as well that I put in there? Because um, the Reuters one's quite good because it just gives a verbatim, um, a verbatim copy of the... Uh, uh, of uh, the statement, no, of the statement. Which okay, is, I'll which make is sure that that's without... included as well. Sorry, then. no, that's no problem. Um, so, so yes, because it, it's quite interesting because it is his word, well, his and his lawyers' uh, words, and it goes it goes through each of the points and explains some of this that we talked about some money shifting in Saudi Arabia, and he and he goes through and he explains why that is. Um, you know uh, that supposedly it was so that there was it was security of of currency and some of it was was making sure that it was that that some of that fi- that money was was protected as long as there was no financial loss to Nissan. Um, yeah. and, and it also sounded like the forth. chap was a bit of a fixer as well. So he sort of Wait, paid consultancy yes. fees to arrange meetings and. It, well, it's it, the 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 Saudi Arabian chap. Yeah. Uh, right at the minute, of course, every uh, every businessman from Saudi Arabia is going to be labelled as a dodgy Saudi businessman. I, I wish to point out that, that is not always the case, and that that kind of deal, and that kind of back and forth, does happen. Yeah. Uh, quite a quite a lot. Practice. It's very much business practice, it, especially in the Middle East. Oh, it's cultural it's, practice. It, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, that sort of stuff really doesn't doesn't surprise me at all. And it's it's I don't I read it and I thought that doesn't I can understand why people think that sounds dodgy, but that also might not be as dodgy as people think it is. Yeah, I mean, part of the problem is being judged by one's own typical expected practices without appreciating culture, different cultures. So yes, do do go and have a read of of the statement because it is it is very interesting and he rebuffs every single one of them quite strongly and it all makes sense. There's yeah. there's none of the bits here that I I read and went, "Woo, that doesn't sound right or that doesn't that sounds hmm. a bit dodgy." Obviously, I am not at multinational CEO level of <laughs> understandings. But he, I, I thought one of the most interesting points of it was that he said that all the people that needed to know at executive level knew and agreed with the moves I was making. Yes, that that to me was really key when I read it. Yes, I thought he's finally had the chance to turn around and go. These people saying they didn't know, or the um, is it the chief executive or the managing director? I can't remember. What the the chap who dobbed him in anyway? Yeah. <laughs> using all the legal technical terms (laughs) where he said oh i where he has been cleared by the police saying oh he didn't he didn't do anything wrong he just didn't understand what he was signing it's like oh hang on wow yeah that doesn't that that, you see that one there i i said at the time that doesn't doesn't gel no that's not a that's not an acceptable excuse at all i don't think so i don't think so it'll be interesting to see what happens here because They've only got till uh, what is Friday, I think. This week. Uh, Friday Thursday, is the Thursday 11th. or Friday. Friday to either he's either out or he's arrested on something else. So agreed. I bet he'll be arrested on something else. I think they are keeping that's my, these. My, my, that's my money. I think they're they drip level. feeding these out. Yeah, I think if, he's, if they've gone to this level to do this, they are they are not going to give up. Funnily enough. Uh, answers on the postcard as to what it might be next. Yes. <laughs> be interested, interested to see what people think. Hear what yeah. people think. New news. New news. We start off with last year's news. Um, yes. It's it, SMMT. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, we well, we are because it only came out the other day. It's the December car registration figures. So, total. Should we give a quick? Do we want to do December first or the full full year first? Do December think? first, and then we're going to do December first. Okay, so uh, December twenty eighteen, uh, there were one hundred and four. I'm just double checking because that doesn't. Yeah, that is right. There were one hundred and forty four thousand and eighty nine vehicles, uh, new cars are registered. That is a drop over twenty seventeen of five point five percent. Uh, it was a 26% fewer diesels, 7.2% fewer, uh, more petrols, pardon me, uh, 6.1% more alternative fuel vehicles. Um, there was a rise in business registrations, significant drop of 7.89% in fleet and 3.8% drop in private registrations as well, uh, compared to December last year. Now, December is traditionally a pretty grim month for vehicle registrations anyhow yep top tens uh top 10 there's nothing of any great surprise uh in the top tens 
it goes uh, number 10 with 2,609 units. It goes Kashkai Kuga Astra Focus at 7th with 3,919. And then it goes Golf Corsa A-Class and Mini in 3rd with 4,650. About 200 and something more. Uh, we're to the Volkswagen Golf. No. To the Volkswagen Polo, because yes. I can't read. <laughs> well, no, it usually is. It usually is. The Focus and the Golf are, are low down for December. They are. Ford Fiesta, of course, in there at number one with 5,700 and 19 units registered. So Fiesta right up at the top as ever. The individual manufacturers, the trend, as you can imagine, by a 5 point something percent drop, the trend is generally pretty pink on the spreadsheet of doom. Yes. uh, As put out by the SMMT. Huge drops for Audi at 40%. Yeah. Chevrolet. Big drop for Chevrolet. Bogged off with your Chevrolet. (laughs) There were three Chevrolets registered and not four. four. (laughs) Hate it. Um, 57. 57% 57% at Infinity. They just need cars, for goodness sake. Yep. Big drop for Hyundai. Down 20%. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. It's significant. Nissan, again. The the cliff <sighs> continues to get steeper. It is really grim for Nissan. I mean, that was only 5,000. 32% drop. Yeah. Only 5,294 vehicles registered. All, almost all the brands, beginning with S, yes. is a drop in into double figures significant double figures at that significant double figures suzuki being the only exception there with a with the only only a single being digit down loss. <laughs> 7.5% toyota down 43% why is that can't be wltp no 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 it's not iris don't know just generally a quiet month good deals on new toyotas by the way i keep being sent emails on the ups volvo up 20% peugeot and porsche up um, 15 and 17% respectively. Mitsubishi, 40%. MG, 43%. Highest rise. McLaren, 13 Mazda, 28%. No, MG weren't the highest rise. No, they weren't. Jeep, 42%. Well, it's even, there's even no. better than that. There's even better than De- that, Alan. You're Deisha. Deisha, 92.27%. <laughs> And a bath was sixty three point six percent as well. So lots of lots of people squeezing stuff in there. Overall for the year in total, the vast majority of manufacturers were down uh, on the number of vehicles that they registered. There are some some notable. Well, let me run through the list of all the ones in alphabetical order that sold that registered more vehicles keep catching myself registered more vehicles in 2018 than 2017 they were a bath 26% more oh did you notice there was something came out tonight the fiat 124 yep disappeared from price lists and specifications and websites yes curious a bath up uh, 26.8% jaguar up 4% kia up 2.7%, Mazda up 1.3%, MG up 103.76%. Congratulations, MG. That's almost 10,000 cars. Yeah, that's a hell of a jump, to be fair. Which is fantastic. Well, it is. It's, 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 it's 103% of a jump. Big um, jump by Mitsubishi as well. 
Big jump by Mitsubishi, uh, 31.47. Just got more vehicles to sell. Sayat. Finally, because they've got some... Well, it's the SUVs, isn't it? It is, yeah. 12% for the Sayat, 17.25% for Subaru, and 9.6% for Volvo. Yep. Jolly good. Do we want to know what the best sales for 2018 were? Yeah, I think we should, just quickly. Number 10, Kia Sportage, 35,567. Nine, the Ford Cougar, uh, 40,398. Eight, the Mercedes-Benz A-Class. Seven, the Mini. Six, the Volkswagen Polo, yeah. at 45,149. Fifth, the Ford Focus. Fourth, the Nithra. Fifth, <laughs> For goodness sakes. Fourth, fourth, the Nissan Qashqai. Third, the Vauxhall Corsa. Second, the Volkswagen Golf at 64,829. And at number one, unsurprisingly to anyone... Only just ahead. <laughs> well, it goes third. So the course is 52,915. The Golf is 64,829. So almost 12,000 more Golfs than courses. Yep. And then another many ahead... 95,892 Ford Fiesta registered last year. So that's 31,000, almost exactly 31,000 more. Yep. That's ridiculous. Mm. So well done, Ford. And it's an awesome week car. It was really good to drive another in the year, he says. Don't forget to listen to the special edition about that as well. It's recently retweeted to a Twitter near you. Or to Facebook. <laughs> anyway, I think we're SMMT'd out. Yeah, to be honest. before people fall asleep. But uh, yeah, sorry. we had to we had to do a annual roundup there because it's the end of the yeah. calendar year. So, so don't worry. Next next month will be much snappier because it'll only be January to January. So don't don't fret, everyone. <laughs> no, we'll make up for it. <laughs> right, uh, New Year's honors, and mm. there's been a few from the car world. Gordon no. Murray has been awarded a CBE for his services to motoring. So, obviously, the man has done so many brilliant and wonderful things. Well, it's, it's, every, it's everything from world championship winning Formula One cars to the Ox, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, it's go and read the Autocar article about that or the um, Petrolicious article <laughs> about mm-hmm. him. But added to that also is uh, Nissan UK's Senior Vice President for Manufacturing, Kevin Fitzpatrick, has also been awarded a CBE for services to manufacturing and engineering in the northeast England. Mm-hmm. Northeast of England, I probably should say. This is obviously all the work that he's put into helping the Sunderland plant. Because um, he was yeah. one of the original 22 supervisors hired to launch the factory. So just that's amazing. Yeah, I think I've almost tripped over him in the corridor once by mistake. But that's not all. That is not all. There is also... Dum, dum, dum. um, Which you spotted. Uh, I would have missed this. But uh, Tom Caron has got an EB... Uh, Crikey, none of us can speak tonight. So we're really sorry, everybody. Yeah. Uh, He's got an OBE, even, for services (laughs) to design. Now, if you don't know who this is, Tom has worked on things like the Bond Bug, the Reliant Scimitar GTE... Does somebody we know have one of those? I did no, it was a princess, I think. Are you sure? No, that, that's I'm, a car, I'm pretty certain. Oh no, no, no. Okay, uh, yes. Anyway, 
Also designed the rally chopper. Yeah. Just all Ogle. forms of transport. Talk about being transport minded. That's just brilliant. O- o- Ogle design. That, that's what he was behind. So yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. So yeah, uh, and thanks to Kieran Morn of Rockstar Cars for pointing that one out because I hadn't noticed. Nobody else seemed to have covered that. Yeah, that's excellent work. Yeah. Right, our favourite mayor. <laughs> I have trouble with that one. Sadiq Khan, mayor of London, has launched a twenty-three million pound scrappage scheme for pre-Euro six vans. The idea is that the fund is only for small businesses, so it's not large fleets. And by small businesses, it really does mean small businesses in that it's it's uh, it's those with fewer than ten employees uh, should be able to will get uh, financial help to scrap older vans and replace them with new machines, such as electric ones, or, yeah, basically ones that meet Euro 6 and above. Uh, but if they're sensible, then they'll make sure it's um, it's electric or particularly clean. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, Especially so yes. as it came out the other week that Euro 6 is going to be banned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you'd be... You'd be crazy to not go for the cleanest you possibly can. If if you can, if you've got the opportunity to that your work will enable you to use an electric, you, you, and how you are set up, I think you'd have to really seriously look down that route. Yeah, uh, as well. So the, the, this autocar article mentions a Nissan ENV two hundred. There are also there are also variants of the Kangoo. There are from mental blank. Have Hyundai not started painting painting out the back windows of a Kona yet? They started saying that's a commercial vehicle. <laughs> uh, not that I've seen. Not that I've seen, not yet. Uh, Renault Master is another one, and I believe the Sprinter as well. It's a Sprinter or the VW LT35. I've seen transits are being hybridized. Mm. So, you know, this, these are things I, that are going to happen. I think that in 2019, we're going to see a lot more uh, hybrid and EV uh, and EV light commercial vehicles. Although I noticed that uh, LEVC yeah. have, uh, they've postponed their van based on the, based on taxi. Yeah, something that a story have I they? spotted earlier on today. Um, as they're talking about it, oh. it's probably going to be 2020 uh, because they want to leverage stuff from across mm. Geely. Oh, okay. According to the story. Well, sorry, going back to this story, though. Yes. For as much as I, as this podcast, and particularly I, knock the Mayor of London, I think this is a good idea. If you're going to implement a massive sea change in how you want people to behave, if you don't help them to do that, mm-hmm. other than just penalise them, then that's not good enough. And he, he's putting up, and he's asked the government to match this, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But I think this is this is a great step. Uh, also, the way that he's targeting the small companies as well. I think that that's a really key point in this because uh, big fleets will do what big fleets do, and 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 they will be in a position where, in actual fact, if they can can save themselves the twelve pounds fifty, then because of the number of vehicles, twelve pounds fifty a day that non Euro six vans will have to pay, that they will they will do it. Uh, on a, you know, they'll just they'll just do it, okay? It'll because be worked into a spreadsheet. It'll be worked it'll into be an a extra column in the spreadsheet so that it'll finance itself through and it'll exactly. Work out. And they will swap. They will do the rotation of their leases and all that kind of stuff, and it'll just come 
uh, and it'll happen. For small businesses, it's much, much harder because they don't have that. They might keep a van for much, much longer. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes time to change it, it's a case of, well, do we buy one of these one of, one of these older vans? Or actually, it might be just as cheap to to buy a, a new van under this under this scheme. I, I think it's it seems pretty sensible. It seems pretty good. I, I can't I can't yep. pick holes in it. But to, but talking of the ultra low emission zone, mm. did you see? There's a petition is up and running to because people have suddenly noticed. Oh, the massive one, yeah, the one that's going to basically be the inside the M25, and people have gone, hang on a minute, and it's like, well, you have been told. Yeah, we talk, we've been warbling about this for ages. We've been shouting about it for quite a while, but we're not the only ones who've been talking about it. So uh, to suddenly go, hang on, what's going on? It's a bit late, and he isn't going to change his mind. No, that one's going to be, I don't think, no. That's, That's going to happen. That's, that is. Oh, it will. It will. It will. But uh, but I think it will it, it will definitely make people think about going into London. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It will. It will. Uh, it, I mean, nobody sensible drives into London if you can. Mm, yeah, yeah. I drive into London, but I drive into London because normally, normally because it is financially significantly significantly better for me to to drive into London than it is to go by train. Hmm. On a personal level, normally if I have to drive. Then it's it's normally because I've um, just work means I have to, yeah, because I'm never going just to London. But I, but I think it will encourage people to think of what the alternatives are, whether it's traveling to different locations to meet, or whether it's actually traveling at all to meet. Because I saw yes. something on Twitter about people saying some um, somebody was asking. I think it was Ed Wiseman was asking Wiseman of uh, Telegraph Cars. Why don't you? work from you know what are the re- are any of these the reasons you don't work from home and it, it was interesting to look at what some of them were and you know some one of them was you know oh, i just hadn't thought about it <laughs> one of the, well i uh, so i retweeted that not long before we started recording uh the, the show so so it will be in the in the twitter from from last night yeah well any anybody who listens to this show knows that we are big advocates on thinking around the problem not just doing that so yeah Right, moving on though, because talking of uh, there's, there's a few more stories on this particular theme this evening. Yes, yeah. So let's is. try and kill them quickly. Right, Camden Council has uh, announced that they will, from March, be closing uh, Tottenham Court Road to cars, vans, and taxis in peak times, Monday t- to Saturday. This is really stupid. Sorry. Only buses and bikes will be allowed to use this uh what and that it will change from being a one-way street to a two-way road at that point. And if you forget that and go on there in your car, your van or your taxi, hello 130 pounds. This is really stupid, but it does Camden Council, so that doesn't surprise me at all. Um Tottenham Court Road is not a particularly busy road. I mean, I, I love the fact that the motoring research article that will be linked uh, actually shows a picture of Oxford Street. In fact, it shows two pictures of Oxford Street. Um, but yeah, but to us who don't live, who don't go into London, that's close enough. Yeah, it is near enough. I mean, it is the junction with Tottenham Court Road in both cases. You can see centre point in the background in one of them. The thing is that I have a picture that I posted on on Twitter. Oh gosh, it must be eighteen months ago now. 
of Tottenham Court Road at rush hour, and it's deserted. This this is really stupid because it's not that busy a road. And shutting that one road just pushes the problem outwards. It's going to push the problem elsewhere. Now, I know that the theory and the practice is that a certain, when you close a road, a certain amount of the traffic that was using that road just disappears into the ether for some reason. Um, but it is going to push push traffic out onto onto other roads. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's it's grandstanding in some yeah. way, shape, or form. Yeah. Well, so we'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what difference that makes, actually, <laughs> if any. Nearly none. Or well, it's going to make a difference, but how negative it is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Talking of banning cars, though. Or congestion charge. The next one is Manchester, uh, of course. Now, Manchester, you remember a few years ago, tried to introduce a congestion zone, and it was resoundingly voted against. Uh, what was it? Well, almost 80% uh, voted against uh, against there being, um, there being essentially a congestion zone uh, within Manchester. However, this time around, they are saying that diesel vans, lorries, taxis, and buses are going to be charged and you can bet that they're not going to hold a referendum about it Mm-mm. well they've got a mayor of manchester now greater manchester so they don't oh. need the referendum oh dear uh, supposedly insiders uh, according to the manchester evening news said no charges had yet been decided but pointed to london's current pollution penalties of 12 pounds 50 a day for vans and 100 pounds for larger vehicles as a starting point of course, this is just a cash cow, really, isn't it? I mean, this is just a way of Manchester uh, and the new mayor looking to raise more money um, so that they get money from there and not, not other places. Well, it's the same as that's happening in London. We'll pretend mm-hmm. it's for clean air, but it's not really. It's just this is our only way of making income. It also goes on to talk about in this article that cars are not being uh, targeted yet, but they are not off the table at all. So don't be surprised. All these things are really dependent on how good your public transport infrastructure is. Manchester's not too bad, I guess, for getting in and out of public transport. Well, they've got the trams as well. The trams are not too bad. The train's not too bad. Yeah. The buses are not too bad. But you're in a very urban area, so it's easier. Yeah, but by by British by British standards, not too bad. It's pretty good public transport, really, isn't oh, yeah. it? I mean, yes, but let's let's yeah. not go down that route. Let's not yes. go down that route. Yes, uh, I'm not going to mention nor I'm not going to mention Northern Rail. <laughs> no, don't please don't. <laughs> right, moving away from cities now and on to this. Nearly could have been follow up because we have mentioned this before, but the outcome now of South Korea investigating BMW engine fires has resulted in the Transport Ministry has asked prosecutors to investigate them from a criminal side of things uh, following um, because uh, they were worried that or suspected that the manufacturer had concealed fire hazards and delayed recalls, Mm. which is what the Bloomberg article states. By the way, that's not me surmising things here. Just yes. In case any lawyer is listening, so this has now happened. There is going to be a criminal probe opening into this. This is after the transport ministry has fined BMW eleven point two billion won, which equates to about ten million dollars for. And again, this is Bloomberg's word: belatedly recalling twenty two thousand six hundred seventy vehicles. 
because there was uh, back in August it came out that there was engine fires on the back of a coolant link that could set fire to the engines. This created a worldwide recall of 1.6 million vehicles, but it's according to Bloomberg, it seriously dented uh, BMW sales in there since then that they've they've dropped. Uh, on the back of this so we'll we'll go we'll have to watch and see where this goes because south korea is not backward in going after manufacturers and employees of manufacturers no no exactly sorry i don't really have much else to add to that Uh, well there isn't much to add to that one but uh, but talking of recalls and delays Sort of recalls another quick one. Uh, I noticed Hugo Griffiths, the consumer editor for Auto Express, tweeted that. Um, when did he tweet it? A little while ago. That about forty-one percent of the outstanding safety recalls in the UK, which cover two point three million cars, approximately. I like that. Um, is for the potentially defective Takata airbags. Okay, now this. All the Takata stuff all started before the podcast did, thankfully to an extent. There were 2.9 million cars in the UK affected. Uh, there remain 991,000 uh, out there, um, which still haven't been fixed. It's pretty serious. It can involve defective, dodgy airbag actuators firing stuff at people, which is just the whole idea of airbags, which is just horrible. But it covers 66 models from many car manufacturers do please check if your vehicle has an outstanding airbag recall toyota i know because i checked for johnny the yaris although that's a bit of a moot point now has has an air has a recall checker on buried deep in their website so you can check if your yaris needs need or your toyota needs redone i know that my parents in France got redone over the summer. It got mm-hmm. recalled there. Do please check. Check with the manufacturer. Check with your nearest dealership. Uh, it should be a free uh, free recall and free to fix. Yep. Public safety announcement. Thanks to Susie for pointing that one out to us, though. Yes. Thanks, Susie. Sorry. It's much appreciated. Mm-hmm. See, we do we do listen when listeners show, show us things and say, Oi. Oh, yes. Regularly. So we, so we pay uh, attention. Uh, right, uh, this week's stating the bleeding obvious article or, or statement comes from the chief executive of Highways England, which is a certain Jim O'Sullivan, who said <laughs> that there are some concerns about in-car touchscreens, and he's quoted as saying, "We don't like them from a safety perspective." I don't know if he speaks like that at all. I've just made that up. I imagine he probably doesn't. Um, yeah. He's saying that small fiddly buttons uh, uh, on touchscreens sees a problem from a safety point of view. And I I like this Motoring Research article's picture. There's two pictures. There's the opening one of a certain electric car company that has the giant, massive screen. And then there is one of the Germans, German premium brands, that has a fantastic screen near your knee. Just quickly, we are not really covering CES stuff because there's not been much that's very interesting at CES this year or, or, or relevant. Let's just stop and it, so also, well, I can't be bothered be dealing fair. with him getting angry. Um, so, <laughs> CES, the only things that we mentioned on CES really come up that 
from CES are uh, Toyota have a funky new safety system which def which isn't autonomous. Um, that uh, oh, uh, Audi have turned a, have turned an e-tron into a virtual reality multimedia. Blah. Yeah, if, if you, you put, put a headset, headset on, on. yeah, yeah. It's, it's a room in which to sit with a headset on. Um, and the last but not least one. No, there's also, there's another one. Before you get to that one, there's Hyundai's... Oh, yeah, I wasn't really counting um, that. So ambulanty type yes. Uh, yes. wheels and stuff, which I thought was quite a interesting idea. It's an interesting idea. concept. It is. Um, it's sort of yes. pods yes. with legs, <laughs> with wheels on the ends of legs for... Yes. <laughs> To help articulation and getting over yeah, dodgy for service areas. vehicles like uh, fire engines and taxis and all sorts of stuff for various ways. It's, it's quite cool yeah. actually. Have a little look. And the other one was uh, Byton. See Chinese electric car brand. Yes, um, EV yes, brand. They, so. they also have shown have been showing in Las Vegas um, a vehicle which seems to mostly be made of touchscreens. There is one about five feet wide and about a foot tall that goes right the way across the top of the dashboard. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Does that not come up? Does no, I just thought it was there. Raise up. Because you look at the, the A-pillars go past it, so I presumed it came up because I, I, I saw the main picture of that up and I just laughed. I, I just thought it was off. like a flip massive type of um, tablet thing mounted on the top. Mm. And it's got and it's got one in the middle as well, hasn't it? But the crowning glory is that it has yet another touch screen um on the steering wheel so how's that going to work when the airbag goes off it probably won't <laughs> it'll be printed on this bang so it's a smooth touch screen so it doesn't leave button you, button you marks in your the, forehead uh, book yeah. of face logo yeah. imprinted in the <laughs> twitter bird um yeah, yeah. So, so yes, that, that, that so, so it's yes. very silly, isn't it? We don't talk about CES. Their end, it's silly their place, end as they FRCES say. coverage for this year, by the way. That's it. That's yep, all that's we're as doing. Good as it gets. It's just not worth the agony. Um, no. But so let's take us more than, more oh, than halfway. Uh, well over halfway. I'm sorry. Lots of stuff tonight. Just two weeks worth. We're catching up. We've been we've mm. been away for two weeks. Uh, very quickly. It's guilt minute, so uh, this is where I'm going to take a small second to remind you about the wonderful stuff that we've done on the Motoring Podcast. Last year alone, we produced 20, was it 23 special editions, 50 regular news shows like this, plus a, a still not insignificant number of rear views. Uh, all of which you can listen to uh, for free. Mm -hmm. uh, if you feel that it's worth more than free because you quite enjoy it uh, and you wish to help us do more and better um, in 2019, then please do take a small second to visit motoringpodcast.com. Click on the orange Become a Patron button and just see which of those patron levels um, would work for you to give us a small amount of cash every month. I'm sorry it's all in dollars. It's because it's a US site because there isn't a British equivalent. Um, but yeah, take a, a little a little second to look at that. That would be great. Now, we understand that not everyone's in a, in a position to do that. So please don't forget to like, rate, leave feedback via the podcast playing platforms of your choice. Uh, tell friends, all that kind of thing. It's 
it all makes a difference it all adds up so thank you so much uh, subscribing too by the way if you're an irregular listener and but all the listeners i've met are irregular then um then subscribing uh makes a difference as well and it means that you'll get the latest version of the show every week without having to make any extra effort yeah no extra effort that's the cool it just bit. turns up mm. well we haunt you yes depends on which podcast platform you use but yes yes it'll just turn up <laughs> right moving on yeah formula e uh formula e's in marrakesh this weekend mm. there we go they have some rookie testing they have announced who are going to be who are going to be in those slots uh, and who's going to be doing the testing on uh, sunday or monday yes on sunday, sunday. It's only a single race this week. Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so, yeah. Um, there's only two teams that have... There's only two seats that have not been confirmed who the drivers are. Yeah. One is for the Neo team and the other is for the uh, GOX. GOX. GOX is the pe- people... The, the, the shoes with the holes in. No. GOX, Dragon Racing. Mm-hmm. Um, they've yet to confirm uh, who's going to be the rookie testers for those. As ever, we will pass out information on how you can watch the qualifying, racing, and all the rest of it uh, in the UK. Uh, as soon as we know it, we will we will pass on those. Imagine if you go to the because go to the Formula E website, it'll it'll list it all. Yeah, there's there's, there's all the options now this season <laughs> in the UK. Absolutely, nobody I recognise really on this. To, I've seen Nick DeVries' name before. Jamie Chadwick. Uh. Oh yeah, but other than that, it's it's people who've done testing for them before, but not really anything mm. else. Jamie Chadwick for Neo, Nick DeVries for Envision Virgin Racing. Mm. Not going to yep. ask. Not not going to ask what the qualifications needed for that are. <laughs> WRC now though, mm-hmm. uh, just a quick bit of news because uh, Monte Carlo's not for a couple of weeks yet. But uh, last week, Hyundai parted ways with uh, Michelle Nandan who had been running it since 2013, um, the last, I think it was obviously the last straw was coming second in the manufacturers again after leading it. Um, but this is the third year of coming second and for not getting Nouveau over the line. So they obviously felt the amount of money they have poured in, Hyundai have poured in, that uh, changes need to be made because, you know, they... they Really should be doing better. I know that at Rally Sweden uh, last year, then their multi-story garage tent thing was about four times bigger than anyone else's. Well, you you can see it when they do a, a drone trip over the top Massive. of the, the service area. It, it it's huge where mm-hmm. Hyundai is compared to it. Anyway, particularly if you put up against say someone like M Sport. Oh, M, M Sport on a shoestring. M Sport basically have a couple of Argos gazebos. Yeah, and you know, so things have to change there. And uh, uh, Andrea Adamo, who is the customer racing or was a customer racing manager, will now lead it for 2019. So let's see whether that makes any difference because they've also um, got uh, who have they signed? Oh, the best rally driver, Sebastian Loeb. 
Thank you. Yes, I know I'm mental. Sorry, that was bit. just so obvious. I wasn't sure I know, if I was right I or wrong. So poor. So poor tonight. I can't speak and then I can't remember things. I do apologize, everyone. I am feeling pretty rubbish tonight, actually. In case and I do apologize for my voice as well. It's pretty grim. <laughs> I hadn't noticed any difference. <laughs> seems, seems like business as usual, to be honest. <laughs> Thanks for the sympathy there, my colleague. Yes. Tough love, tough love in the uh, in the motoring podcast world. Oh, right, yeah. this was out a little while ago, before Christmas, but it was after we put our last show up. So um, the lunchtime read is from Jalopnik, and it it's about. Uh, well, I'll read the title. It was Japan's most daring car. Then the economy imploded, and it's about the um, Amati Amati. I would say Amati. But who kno- who knows? Nobody really knows because nobody really acknowledges that it existed. And this was going to be Mazda's punt at taking on the established or more established luxury people like Lexus, Mercedes, Cadillac, BMW. And this was aimed at America, I think, because mm-hmm. uh, primarily to start off with. But it it goes it's really interesting. Uh, it's really well written and researched, considering there's nothing really to research. No, <laughs> the the digging that has been done, but it's this is an excellent, excellent story on the car that never made it, and well, could it have wasn't been, just by a, the sounds of it, fantastic. It wasn't just a car; it was an entire brand, really. I mean, there was yes. one car that was meant to be at the top, which was the eight, which was going to be the eight hundred, which was going to sit above the nine two nine and stuff. Uh, which is a one that's sold in the US. All right, no, five hundred was going to be at the top, and then there were going to be other ones below. And and the cars made it, but n- most of the cars made it, but not as a brand. Yeah. You know, it never existed as a brand. So stuff like the ZDOS six was a spin off from all of this, uh, and yeah, just just things like that. But it's, but it but it also helps us understand how big an impact Japanese economy going down the plug a hole really had on everything and how we're still feeling the effects of that oh today, absolutely that, that's why stuff like the ns the new nsx took so long and this why and the new mm. super might appear at some point yeah <laughs> rumor has it I, I i thought it had gone out of production according to sniff petrol uh yes yes <laughs> so go go and read this it's really if you haven't read it already and i know a lot of people possibly have um before christmas but but go read this is excellent article and this is one of those times you get reminded how fantastic Jalopnik can be. Yes, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is this is one of the gems from Jalopnik for last year. I think. Yeah, totally. Fab. Uh, and finally tonight is uh, thanks to Lewis Kingston is an auction. Unusually, we have linked to an entire auction, um, <laughs> and the auction is of vehicles, sets, all sorts of stuff uh, that were used in the Fast and Furious Live arena show. So if you have always wanted a replica Toyota Supra RZ, a Mark IV Toyota Supra RZ, then, uh, you know, in full absolute replica of the Fast and Furious car, you can bid on it. If you've wanted three flame cars, which don't completely have their flame set up there anymore and aren't road legal then they've got those if you want a buick grand national rep 
replica, but with a Chevrolet LS3 V8 6.2 liter petrol engine and a Quaif six-speed sequential gearbox, you can have one of those as well. There is loads of stuff. Toyota, a right-hand drive Toyota Supra, completely covered in LED lights. S2000, completely covered in LEDs. Then um, <laughs> these are there, and they are for sale. The it's a ten grand at the minute. It's the opening bid for the S2000. There's a Mazda RX-7, which has been fitted with a Ford Duratec 2.5 four-cylinder engine. Well, you can't really have them catching fire in the middle of a stage show for ten grand. Well, this all ends on the 31st of January. Yes. So get to it quickly. At least go and have a look. It is it is quite ridiculous. Ramp cars, snowmobiles, uh, skilled down Mack tractors, all sorts of stuff. Just everything. Electrically driven train replicas. Skilled Antonov cargo plane. Anyway, anyway I'm going off all the car stuff. Loads of stuff. Go take a look. It's brilliant, genius. Some of them yep. are worth the money just for the parts alone because these have been serious builds and, and could well go relatively cheaply. Yep. Uh, that's it for for this week. Really, any parish notes, sir? No. Not really. No. Okay. No. We shall be back when there is more to tell you about that. But in the meantime. Don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the herb of all our activities. Uh, don't forget about Patreon, please, motoringpodcast.com or motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please, please leave a review, a rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whichever podcast platform you like using. They really do matter. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and tell you how awful we've been, whether not speaking them their words properly or things like that? What's the best way for them to do that? Or just croaking our way through the ending. The best way is on Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, as I say, we'll be back next week. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you and tell you how awful we've been, whether not speaking them their words properly or things like that? What's the best way for them to do that? <laughs> I've been under clues.